Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today the lovely Rena Van Alst. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you today? I am good. I feel like jazzing up your intro a little bit there. Boring every time saying the same old thing. You almost get sick of our voices saying, how are you today? Rena Van Alst, <laughs> introducing you is never boring. Everybody oh. knows the giggle is on the way. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> How has your week been? Well, just back from holidays. I uh, had a wonderful time and I'm just frantically trying to catch up with work <laughs> and friends and family. So it's wonderful, actually. You know, it's, it's good to be back. Yeah. Uh, in a way for quite some time now. And um, yeah, just getting on with life as usual. Yes, it doesn't take long, does it, to no. uh, you, you come back and it's a bit surreal and you've got a lot to catch up on and then within a week or so you need another yeah. holiday. <laughs> exactly, you need a holiday from the holiday. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump in. What's your challenge this week, Rena? This is a very interesting one, Amanda. It's a notice corporation I took carriage of and – it's been a few months now and I still don't have all the records from the previous charter managing agent. Mm. So I've you know, got a couple of boxes here and there, dribs and drabs, and the issue is that the strata committee won't instruct me to take any action against the former managing agent. And I'm sort of wondering why because it's actually making the management quite difficult. Um, we don't have all the records, even some of the financial information that I need in terms of the balance sheet and how things like the general ledger for some of the balance sheet and expenses I don't even have. And I believe the reason is that the strata committee or some members of the strata committee allowed the agent to continue managing the scheme after he'd been terminated. Mm. So I, I looked at the act demanded to see what powers are in the act in terms of how you can actually obtain those records. And division three Orders about strata roll and records, section 188, order to supply information or documents. The tribunal may, on application by a person, order an owner's corporation, strata managing agent, officer or former strata managing agent of an owner's corporation to supply to the applicant information that the tribunal considers that the owner's corporation, strata managing agent, officer or former strata managing agent has wrongfully withheld from the applicant and to which the applicant is entitled to under this act. Mm. So the question is, Amanda, and this is part of my challenge and dilemma, is that I don't have any instructions to do this at the moment, but I have full authority in our agency agreement when it comes to maintaining the owners' corporation's records. So I don't know whether or not that gives me the authority to make an application against the form managing agent, which is in the best interests of the scheme. And I was just wondering, you know, have you ever come across a situation like this, Amanda, or any cases about agents not providing information? 
Mm. Well, looking at that section 188, that is exactly the section that would allow you to make that application and obtain those documents from the former strata managing agent. The interesting fact of your circumstance, Rina, is that you're proposing to do that yourself as the current strata managing agent. And you are entitled under section 188 to make that application. The application can be made by a person. Mm. There's no restriction on who that person is. There's no requirement that it be the owner's corporation or that it be the current strata managing agent. It can be anyone, obviously designed to cater to the fact that it could be a range of people who are needing Mm. the former strata managing agent to produce these records. However, if you make this application, you would be making it in your own name. You would be making it either as Strata Central, your company, or um, Rena Van Alst, you as a person. So you couldn't say that you're making it on behalf of the owner's corporation unless it's in the owner's corporation's name. So I think that's the decision you have to make first. Who is the applicant in this application? If the applicant's the owner's corporation, then yes, look to your agency agreement and see if you have the power under your agency agreement to make this application. Well, the issue is, Amanda, when I look at the wording of the agency agreement, maintaining the records doesn't really, I don't think, give me authority to make an application because normally when you go to NCAT, you actually have to show that you've got authority from the owner's corporation. I mean, I don't want to make an application on behalf of our own company because, you know, it's only in my capacity as the agent for the owner's corporation do I need these records. So it's it's really their records that I'm asking to obtain. So I'm in this dilemma and I think what might happen is, you know, maybe things might change and, and when the time comes, you know, people might might see a reason in the sort of looking at, well, what is the benefit to the Owners Corporation and what are the disadvantages of not having all the records? Just to your point about if the application was to be made in the Owners Corporation's name, you're right, you're going to have a, a problem there because we go to the other section of the Act which requires Owners Corporations to approve uh, legal proceedings via a general meeting. So you're not going to have that approval to commence the legal proceedings if you're going ahead and and doing it without that authority. Yeah. So the other option being to make the application in your own name. And as you say, Rena, why would you do that if it is only for the benefit of the owners corporation and they don't want you to do it? I I suppose that's the bottom line, isn't it? They don't, if they don't want you to do it. Yeah. They haven't said no, but they haven't, like in a sense, I keep writing to them about the fact that we need to deal with this issue, but they haven't said anything yet. So, And do you need these records to be able to properly met? Will you have to uh, terminate your agency agreement if you can't get these records, for example? Well, it hasn't come to that point yet, but but there was an issue where I had to just recently, Amanda, there was a lot owner that was selling their lot and I needed to issue a section 184 certificate. And because I didn't have all the records, you know, and I think the office bearers were trying to get information to me. And I received another minute book that had showed that there was a special levy that had been struck since the AGM, which I had no record of. So if I hadn't had that minute book given to me, then the figures would have been incorrect because a special levy that was due in three installments, two of which had already elapsed by the time this certificate had to be issued, would not have been included in in the calculations. So, I mean, it's pretty Mm -hmm. serious ramifications. And a lot of companies don't provide all the records. Um, Recently, I just had a strata searcher in my office who said to me that one particular company who had been managing a scheme before, we took carriage of it so that they weren't even, they only allowed them to see certain things and that's it. And I said, but that's not legal. And they go, well, that's all they'll give us. And I said, well, you need to go back to the owner who the purchaser's 
buying from potentially and say, well, we've been denied all these records, so we can't even do a proper report. But it's funny how the searchers don't even realise that they can ask for more things if they need to have them. Mm. And they're not just given what they're given. Yeah, that's the deeper issue, isn't it? And a recurring problem. Yeah. Well, I think you can probably put some pressure on this owners corporation by saying, look, if I don't have these records and I'm not going to be able to manage your scheme and, and I don't know if you're in breach of the act, I don't know if we're raising the right levies, I don't know if, uh, mm. if we're holding the right meetings, whatever it is. Yeah. And they are all then exposed, particularly the office bearers on the committee, the committee members. Yeah. Um, so I really think they've, they've got no choice but to make this application and yeah. I would be sending that message quite yeah. s- strongly to them. Yeah, definitely, Amanda. Yeah. Well, let us know how you go with that one. I will. Always interesting, Rena. Mm. <laughs> These problems you have to face. This is a dull moment, I must You're say. A hero. I, I thought previously I had encountered nearly just about everything that could go wrong and, and there's always something new that I've never experienced before. So that's Yeah, that is strata. <laughs> All right. Well, my challenge for this week, uh, again, kind of uh, you feel like you're in twilight zone when these things come up. Uh, This relates to financial documents, a building's financial statements for their financial year end. I was given a copy of these by a client of mine to have a look and to uh, raise some questions about particular expenditure that had happened within the scheme that my client was not comfortable with. And in the course of looking at these documents, we discovered that a few invoices had been double paid. So what we did, we first looked at the financial statement. So we saw the summary for the year on how much had been spent on plumbing. Uh, I'll use that example. Mm. And when we saw the very large amount that had been spent on plumbing, we wrote to the strata manager and said, can we see the cash payments record for the plumbing line item so we can see Mm -hmm. all the invoices? And when we went through and reviewed all the invoices, we saw this double payment. And we also had a record that these statements had been audited. Oh, So an auditor has gone through, supposedly done this job of cross-referring the statements to the actual invoices and has not picked up this double payment. And I was, I have to say, I was quite shocked. And it was something I put on our list to chat about, Rena, to see if it's something that you had come across. Is this common? Are auditors really that lax, uh, some of them? It's a very interesting question, Amanda, because when you think about the um, the audit fees that are, that are charged by the auditors that are commonly used by strata schemes for their annual accounts, they're usually not that high. I mean, obviously, they're doing a cursory check of the accounts. But one thing I must say I am surprised about your example is that any large expenses – the auditor will always ask for copies of invoices. So what happens is that the auditor will go to all the accounts that you've given, then they ask, they go through the cash payments report or the general ledger, then they will highlight invoices they want to see, and normally they're the larger ones. Now, if the building is a large one and there's a lot of money coming in and out, they'll ask, for example, you know, for copies, let's say there's a Telstra lease, they'll ask for a copy of the lease to see, you know, are we getting paid the right income? Mm -hmm. So sometimes if they're more complex, and then obviously you pay more money, but I think the problem is for the amount of money that's being charged, it's only a cursory sort of check, but always the large invoices are always one of the samples of invoices that are requested by the auditor. So I'm very surprised to hear that yes. in your ex- plumbing example that they didn't ask for it. 
Yeah, and it's exactly we were um, the way I see it is we were doing the job that I imagine the auditor would have done, where we've gone through the annual statement and we've seen a, a very large amount spent on something that really shouldn't generally have an amount that large, and so we've looked behind it, as you say, the auditor should do when they see those large amounts and ask for the invoices. That's what we did, and we picked up this double payment, and I just couldn't wrap my head around how that how the auditor had not asked that question or had perhaps hadn't looked at it and not picked it up. Well, let's go back one step. Why has the strata manager not checked the accounts? Oh, exactly. So, normally, yeah, course, so yeah. normally before the accounts go to audit, you know, any, any prudent strata manager would go through all the accounts of the scheme, make sure that everything's been coded correctly to budget because normally what happens is that, you know, you need to code to budget and if something is not unbudgeted, obviously it'll show in the expenses that it's not budgeted. So I recall many times when I'd seen like a double payment or something and spent, you know, the first thing you do is deal with it as an agent mm-hmm. and get the money back or do whatever you've got to do before you actually send it off to audit. And the other thing also is that most strata software, Amanda, if the information is entered the same, this is where I think where things go wrong, let's say an invoice starts with five zeros and then it's 2,500. Mm-hmm. Some, some people will only enter the 2,500, not the five zeros. So therefore, if it's entered with the five zeros and 2,500 and then entered just with 2,500, then sometimes the software won't pick it up because it's a different mm-hmm. invoice number. Um, that's another issue. So I'm, I'm just surprised that the strategy manager didn't, didn't pick this up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the invoice should never have been double paid in the first place, of course, but those checks and balances that are there to correct these things, to identify them, they've failed as well and it's fallen to my client to pay my fees to sort out this mess, which is disheartening. Yeah, the contractor should have also not – I mean, obviously, if you, if you get a big payment twice, you say, hang on, you, you know, like when there's big amounts outstanding, there's always pressure – put on the agent by the contractor to pay this, you know, large amount. Yet when the shoe's on the other foot and they've been paid twice for a large amount, it's really, um, you know, very unsatisfactory and and quite disheartening to think that people would profit by someone's mistake. Mm, Definitely. Well, if you want to find out more about Strata Audits, we did have Ailey Brookman on the show, episode 87, and she's from Economos and she conducts these audits. And Ailey gave us a real insight into what just what auditors do and the level of detail that they do and sometimes don't go into. So I've just with this discussion, Rena, been reminded that we've got that episode 87 and um, more information there from the ever helpful Ailey. Yep, she's very thorough. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's uh, shift gears over to your win this week, Rena. Well, this is another challenging case that's become a win because we are working with a developer who is quite inexperienced in Strata, even though they've been in Strata, I think, for some time. They've actually probably had agents that don't really understand um, the act quite well. But one of the things that they asked us to do was to um, call a general meeting to um, pass a bylaw that would confer certain rights to a particular lot. Mm. And um, unfortunately, they weren't happy with the fact that we told them that, that the act prohibits that occurring in the initial period. And unfortunately, they actually, I think, had a settlement that was pending that passage of that bylaw. But unfortunately, um. they had to concede that, you know, we were right and that it can't be done. So it's actually a good outcome, even though quite a costly one for them, I think. Right. Just for our listeners who may not be familiar with that concept of the initial period, what Rena's talking about there is the time from the registration of the strata plan when a new building is developed up until the time when more than one third of the unit entitlement for the building is no longer in the hands of the developer. 
So until that time, the building is in its initial period, we call it. And of course, during that initial period, the developer has a significant amount of control. They can pass special resolutions because they have that power on a unit entitlement basis. So our legislation protects owners during that period to make sure that developers can't do certain things, including pass bylaws that give rights to particular lots in respect of the common property. So common property rights bylaws. And it sounds, Rena, like this developer had made a promise to a, a purchaser perhaps mm. that they were going to get a particular part of the common property. You often see it with parking and with storage spaces that the yeah. developer might want to attach to particular lots to increase their value and sell them off at a bit more of a profit. Um, but you're right, not allowed to do that during the initial period and a good reminder for that developer. Mm. Yeah, and I think also in this current market, Amanda, where it's not as buoyant as it has been previously, I think there's more pressure on developers to try and, you know, sweeten deals to try and get the sales through. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, good timing for that reminder indeed. Okay, well, my win for this week relates to a notice of general meeting and it wasn't an annual general meeting. That's why I've just called it a general meeting. Just on that topic, Rena, I'm not. I'm going a little bit off course here, but worth noting. Yes, it's not called EGM anymore. It's, it's not called, called EGM general. anymore. <laughs> That's it. Yes, and I think you pointed that out to me recently in our old 1996 Act in New South Wales. We used to have this reference to extraordinary general meetings, EGMs. If it's not an AGM, it's an EGM. Mm. In our new 2015 Act, we now just call them general meetings. There is yeah. no reference to extraordinary. Exactly. <laughs> but plenty of us are still using that that terminology, lawyers and strata managers and owners alike. Yeah, I've seen many agendas and minutes that are issued with, with that terminology, Amanda, since the, yeah, since the act came into effect. But, yeah, I suppose I haven't read that section yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyway, back to my notice of general meeting. I was sent this by a client who wanted me to attend this general meeting. They were quite concerned about the motions that were on the agenda relating to an overhaul to the bylaws. And they said, Amanda, can you go to the meeting for us and um, vote against these motions and try to advocate for our interests? And I said, no problem. I had a close look at the notice and I immediately got back to my client and I said, this notice is not valid. Mm. It does not meet the requirements that are set out in Schedule 1 to the Strata Schemes Management Act. Notices of general meeting must contain certain things. And for example, this particular notice did not include a form of motion to confirm the minutes of the last general meeting. It did not include a statement that a vote by an owner does not count if there is a priority vote cast for the lot in relation to the same matter. It did not include the provisions of the Act for determining a quorum at meetings. So I'm just looking at the list of things in Clause 8 to Schedule 1 of the Act and it did not contain most of those things. It simply had a motion in relation to amending the bylaws and had the date of the notice and attached as a proxy form if you want to send a proxy. That was about it. Wow. (laughs) And it was issued by a Strata Managing Agent. Oh dear. So the win in all this is that I wrote to the owners corporation care of the strata managing agent. I said, your notice is invalid. If you continue to convene the meeting, it will be challenged. uh, The validity of the meeting will be challenged on that basis. And if you resolve any motions at this meeting, they too will be challenged on the basis that your notice is invalid. I recommended and this will be an interesting topic to discuss with you, Rena. I recommended that the strata committee cancel the meeting. Mm. on the basis that the notice was invalid. So it could never actually be validly held. And I raise that tentatively because 
there's no real way to stop a meeting. You actually have to have the meeting and you can adjourn it. And I think you and I might have discussed this before, whether on the podcast or not, Rena. But I took the view that because the notice itself was invalid, then the committee could actually cancel the meeting and just explain to owners that it was being cancelled because of that defect. Yeah, so that's when I mean, we've had to cancel meetings, Amanda, not for lack of validity, but for other reasons. But we always get the Strata Committee to pass a, a resolution to that effect because they're the only entity that can actually cancel the meeting. I mean, an agent doesn't have that authority either. But um, can I take you one step back, Amanda? So mm-hmm. in terms of this agenda, how was that general meeting called? Was it called by the secretary or was it called by the Strata Committee or was it just called by the agent? Because, I mean, you'd have to look at the powers of how that general meeting was convened in the first place. Yeah, they- indeed. We don't know at this stage. Um, we assume, and my client is not a member of the Strata Committee, so we assume that there was a direction from the Strata Committee to the Strata Manager to um, issue that notice, but we haven't seen minutes of any meetings or any correspondence in relation to that. So we don't know, but very good point to investigate. Yeah, so I suppose, Amanda, they're just going to redo the meeting and do it correctly this time. I I suspect so, and I have to say, uh, ever loyally, I was very careful in my letter that I did not tell them how to do it properly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I said, it doesn't comply, uh, you work it out. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right, another jam-packed episode. As always, some uh, great stuff there. Remember, you can get the transcript of our episodes over at yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash podcasts. You'll see all of the episodes there and if you click into an episode of your choice there is a link to download the transcript if you want to have a, a look at what we've talked at a little bit more closely share it with your strata manager with your fellow owners and committee members lots of juicy information anything to add rena i think it's bad today amanda all good that is it enjoy your day catch you next time see you later amanda bye, bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?